Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If there's one common thread, it might be that men perceive church as too feminine. We have to be aggressive in the world when it's appropriate. We are warriors. One, two, three. Warriors! You are a real man when you commit to study God's word and you commit to being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the biblical perspective on being a man. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. I don't need any of this. I don't need this stuff. I don't need you. I don't need anything. Well, except this. Except this. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. You don't want to be a jerk, but perhaps you are, and nobody has yet told you. Let's take a look at how the Apostle Paul describes an individual who might be deceived into thinking, I'm principled, I just speak my mind. But maybe, just maybe, that person qualifies as a contentious jerk. That would be the headline from an article written by somebody. (laughs) Somebody from ninemarks.org. Are you principled or just a contentious jerk? Paul says that an overseer must not be quarrelsome. Now, that isn't just a command, of course, for pastors and elders. It's a command for all of us that applies to everybody. We are not supposed to be an argumentative group of people. That doesn't mean that we never debate. In fact, I suggest more and more these days, we do need to lovingly speak up, not brashly, not belligerently or confrontationally as if we're just, we hate you, but we do need to speak up and start speaking really truthfully. There was a, hold on, wait a second. There was a proverb that I ran into. It was Proverbs 28 that talked about the, this maybe will help you if you're wrestling with, what do I do with the pronoun issue? Do I use somebody's pronoun even though they're not that particular gender? Well, maybe this verse will help you. It happens to be Proverbs 27. I'm pretty sure of it. Now, a lot of radio shows would have this prepared in advance. (laughs) What a waste of time. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Here it comes, verse 5. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Now, the, 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 the parallelism here actually continues. So this is, it's not this, it's that. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. In other words, telling somebody, "Um, dude, you're you're not doing that right. You're not thinking right. That's way better than calling it love by not sharing with them the truth. Now, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Is it possible that when we use somebody's preferred pronouns, that this proverb actually speaks to us and says, no, that's not the loving thing to do. Now, here's the trick. You do have to do it lovingly. 
And I think you also need to be very wise as as to how you go about the business of sharing this, especially in the workplace. I don't think it's a sin for a Christian to avoid using pronouns. I don't think that you are terrible if you sit in the class where they're teaching you all of these ridiculous ideologies and, and you don't speak up every single I get you need to be thoughtful in when you do it. But maybe just maybe we're violating Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 by not speaking truthfully. There's a time. There's a place. And I don't think that it has to be every single time you hear a bad worldly ideology. Otherwise, you'd be doing nothing but confronting lunacy. But maybe, maybe there is some speaking that we need to do. We just can't be contentious jerks as we do. An overseer must not be quarrelsome. Now, in Ephesians 4, because that was 1 Timothy 3, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander put away from you along with all malice. Get rid of this stuff. Here's a question. What do those words mean and how do you know if you are a contentious person? I don't, we can't be that. We can't be contentious people. We can contend for the truth, but we can't be contentious as we do so. The word bitterness. If you find yourself consumed with how others have offended you, then you're bitter. If you've got a pristine record of wrongs done against me and you use it to fight every debate you're in, then you're a bitter person. Got it? Got Bitterness, by the way, hufta. You do not want it taking root. Bitterness is one of the nastiest emotions to have implanted into your heart. You've got to root it out. It's interesting. I was watching a sermon from Steve Lawson, and he was actually talking about bitterness. And because he's got a family (laughs) and because he's pastored a church, he knows what bitterness can do. And he was describing so vividly people who are bitter. It is it is something that contaminates and pollutes your entire outlook on life. It causes you to be constantly joyless, not being happy. Get rid of the bitterness. By the way, just a little preview, perhaps. Reading a book with a surprising title from a good author, Randy Elkhorn, whose book on heaven, The Treasure Principle, I I think it's most excellent stuff. Safely Home. We've got all of these books, by the way, at wretched.org. It's our Randy Elkhorn section, basically. (laughs) Great stuff that'll change your perspective on giving. It'll change your perspective on heaven. It will help you to go, whoa, it's going to be amazing there because it is going to be amazing there. Well, I didn't know about this. Somebody sent it to idea at wretched.org. He has a book called Happiness, and it looks a lot like the book Heaven, but it's a treatment on the word happiness. And he tries to build the case that maybe just maybe we have been seeing this a bit wrong. Perhaps you've heard, and he he tries to dismantle the contemporary way of defining the distinction between joy and happiness. In fact, Jimmy, I'll bet you can do it. So from a Christian perspective, what is joy? Happiness. No. It is. It's happy. (laughs) No. You see, you're wrong. Now, you've read Randy Elkhorn's book, apparently. Joy (laughs) is based on Jesus. It's abiding. 
And that means that even if you're not in happy circumstances, you still have joy. Happiness is fleeting. And Randy Alcorn agrees with Jimmy. No, actually, those two words are used synonymously. Joy, happiness, joy, happiness. In the Bible, and a lot of the greats that have come before us have used those two words together. There ain't nothing wrong with being happy, Christian. There are, there are far too many dour Christians that don't ever laugh about anything, that don't ever have fun. Don't let yourself stay there because there would be a pretty good chance you're a contentious person. And you maybe have a root of bitterness that is robbing you of joy and happiness. Take off all wrath, says Paul. It's used to describe explosions of anger boiling over. There's never an excuse for this kind of behavior as a Christian. It is never acceptable. It is always a sin. It must be mortified, not mollified. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Do you ever have eruptions? Now, please note. And this article, whoever wrote it, does a good job of saying just because somebody occasionally gets a little bit heated, that doesn't mean that they are a quarrelsome person. But if that, any of these different words that are used by Paul to describe a contentious person are a regular habit, uh uh-oh, then you're probably a contentious jerk. Take off all anger. This is this is the internal. Just just you're you're just you're sort of like the the volcano that's just gurgling and gurgling all the time. You're just mad about everything and anyone. If that's you, you're a contentious person. Take off all clamor, uncontrolled screaming at another person. Mom, are you clamorous? You've got to mortify that sin. Take off all slander, speaking evil of another. You use your words, whether it is spoken, whether it is clicking it with your fingers. And I got to tell you something. Is it just me, my thumbs, or has spell check just gotten worse and worse over time? Honestly, I type words and and they turn it into something. It's like um, uh, spam earthquake. What? I... I wanted to write, I was asking about Spain. I'm not spam earthquake. It's just crazy how the spell check. It has to be gender neutral. If you're, (laughs) maybe that's my problem. If you use the internet to really hammer people, you're being slanderous. Finally, take off all malice. Here's the question. Ever found yourself walking away from a difficult conversation, imagining all the things you could have said, should have said, and what I'm going to say if I ever get the opportunity again? That's called malice. Making wicked and evil plans or plotting cruel revenge. We are living in a time when we are to speak truth in love. And it ain't easy because the world's getting dark. We do need to speak up thoughtfully judiciously, biblically, but definitely lovingly. No easy assignment. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A pre-born center in Buffalo was firebombed. A pre-born clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an 
incendiary device, a pre-born clinic in Miami, vandalized, and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the pre-born centers continue to open. Support organizations like pre-born and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning in to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate your time. Did you know there is actually something in existence that gives you information on things happening at Wretched? Things like upcoming product launches or details on upcoming seasons of our productions of Wretched Radio, Wretched TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread. Also, information on job openings here at Wretched. Information on upcoming sales in the Wretched store. What I'm referring to is the monthly Wretched newsletter. If you're not already receiving the Wretched newsletter, you're missing out on all of these things and more. The Wretched Newsletter also contains thorough and in-depth messages on a wide range of theological topics, and that's not all. As a Wretched Newsletter subscriber, you're also eligible for resources that we give away daily here at Wretched. So sign up and don't miss out on any of this stuff by becoming a Wretched Newsletter subscriber by visiting our website at wretched.org, scroll to the bottom of the page, and fill out the form. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediately assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1456. Johann Gutenberg produces the first printed Bible, and its press becomes a means for dissemination of new ideas and catalyzing changes in politics and theology. Without the printing press, the Reformation may have looked very different. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Do not be like the man with an obtuse sense of humor, man. This is Wretched Radio. Steve Martin, 1970, opening up for Anne Margrock. Sorry, that's the Flintstones. And Margaret Elvis was in the audience. And he bumped into Steve Martin in the hallway and he said, you got you got an obtuse sense of humor, man. <laughs> I do not think that word means what he thinks it means. Steve Martin then went on to make a movie called The Jerk. And while we laughed at it, I don't remember it. So it was probably filthy and I wasn't a Christian at the time. I'm not recommending it, but we laughed at The Jerk. But there really is nothing laughable about knowing a jerk. And it is incumbent upon us to not 
be jerks, to not be contentious jerks and dismissing it by saying, well, we're just somebody had to say it. Yes, somebody did, but not always like that. Furthermore, if we are harboring any sort of bitterness, lack of forgiveness, we're probably becoming more and more dark. Nothing is fun. Everything is terrible. Everybody's a moron. Nothing is good. We don't want to be those people. We don't. We want to be a joy-filled people. We want to be a people that is happy. That's right. I just said happy, and you say, wait a second, I've heard the sermon that says happiness is fleeting, joy is lasting, so Christians seek joy. Hold the phone, Henrietta. Reading a book right now by Randy Elkhorn called Happiness, and he's making the argument that joy and happiness, they are synonymous. They are not exactly the same, but they are similar. That the Christian life does involve happiness, and it is not because we are having a really smooth day. The traffic is light. You you won the lottery, which actually would, would be a sin. The point is we can be a happy people and a joy-filled people. Emotions are tricky things, aren't they? What's the difference between joy and happiness? Well, traditionally, at least as of late, we say that happiness is based on externals. Joy is a residing shalom, peace. Ah, it is well with my soul, even though the sea billows roll. I have joy, 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 joy down in my heart, but not happiness because that's fleeting. Randy Elkhorn trying to build the case. No, no, no. It's okay to be happy. And if you're not ever, ever, it might be a sign that you're a quarrelsome person, that you're a contentious person with a root of bitterness. Let's see if we can get that bad boy rooted out by taking a look at what makes a person quarrelsome. Uh, Thankfully, the Proverbs are not short on instruction regarding what it means to be a quarrelsome person. A fool is the word that regularly gets used, but it regularly speaks of being downright contentious. And this is from Nine Marks. Here's a few ways quarrelsome character manifests itself. One, Proverbs 18.18. I happen to have it open for you. That's right. I prepared. Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. In other words, you do no more fighting. Going to stop. Just going to flip a coin. That'll settle it. And so the quarrelsome person is one who is never satisfied with a coin flip. The the quarrelsome person just does, no, we got to keep arguing about what color the jersey is going to be. That's a quarrelsome person. Number two, they make you feel like you're in prison. That's Proverbs 18, 19. It's interesting to note how often the Proverbs have two, just to make the point. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Why? Because this sign of a contentious person is one who just makes it hard to bring about a resolution. Can we just agree on Zaxby's? Fine, I'll go to Chick-fil-A. Well, wait a second. There's also Shake Shack. Okay, Okay, we could, last time I was at Zaxby's, They didn't treat me like I was a Chick-fil-A. Okay, just pick a restaurant. 
Number three, quarrelers keep dripping quarrels. That would be your Proverbs 19.13, Rexella. A foolish son is the ruin of his father. Here it comes. And the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. That's a contentious, quarrelsome person. Drip, 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 drip. It never ends. They don't stop. They're disagreeable by disposition. They're willing to oppose everything and anything. And it doesn't have to be obnoxious, but you just find yourself going, man, aren't they ever happy about anything? Number four, quarrelers like to be loud. Quarrelers want to be heard and seen. You've got to know what I'm thinking. That's a quarrelsome person. That's from Matthew 12, 19, by the way. Finally, quarrelers crave a quarrel. Quarrelers don't accidentally find themselves in regular disputes. They crave it. They constantly seek a fight. Does that describe you or somebody that you know? Perhaps not. But I would like to suggest to you there is a sixth way that you can know that you are a quarrelsome person, courtesy of the jerk himself. Me? What happened to the girl I believed in? The girl I fell in love with? The girl that believed in me? Well, there's plenty of places I can go where people believe in me. There it is. It's not a proverb. Are you a church shopper, bopper, and hopper? Are you constantly looking for a place that's better than the church that you're currently sitting in? If that describes you, there's a pretty good chance you're a quarrelsome person. And you don't understand that no church is perfect. No church is perfect. That, that's, that's, that's why God has that institution in part. Because it's an assembling of imperfect people that get sanctified together. That the people there are annoying brings out what's in your heart so that you do not produce the anger of man, which does not produce the righteousness of God. Church is a school of character like the family is. And frankly, like a nation is. I've got to get along with people that I find kind of disagreeable. If you're constantly church shopping and hopping, maybe just maybe a little perspective check on being bitter and quarrelsome. Tim Challies wrote a really helpful article, Before You Pack Up and Leave. If you're a church shopper, perhaps this will help you to calm down and find a good place, plug in, and serve. This first one I read and I went, oh, come on, Tim. Kind of lame. But then the more I thought about it, it's like, actually, that's a really good point. By the way, I had breakfast with Tim Challies. It was his first interview after the loss of his son, Nick. We're going to be airing that, I believe, September something. Jimmy, does that sound right? September 3rd, yes. September 9th, something yeah. like that. It's called Seasons of Sorrow. Tim Challies. Pray through the directory. What? Find yourself a copy of the church directory and commit to praying through the entire thing at least once. Pray for each person or each family by name. And as you pray for those people, may it remind you that you're not just walking away from a club or institution, but from a community, a family. And I went, yikes, that's a really good idea. Do I really want to leave all these people? Because if you're agitated, you don't think about folks. Go into the directory and pray for people. Commit to serving. Before you leave, recommit to serving others for a period of time, several months at least. 
because love tends to grow cold when you stop loving others via service, and it tends to be rekindled when you start serving again. Number three, remember the good, not just the bad. Remember when you first found that church and went, oh, yeah, finally. Well, there must have been something good there. Think about that and not just the stuff that agitates you now. Remember all the times it blessed you, expressed kindness to you, supported you, brought you a meal, helped with the kid, whatever. Maybe the scales could be tipped in the right direction with that sort of consideration. Number four, think it through. There may be good reasons, but question your motivation. Why am I going? Pray it through. Ask God, expose my heart. Am I just being quarrelsome? Am I being a contentious jerk? Do I have a root of bitterness? Am I never happy with anything? Pray that your deepest desire would be to honor and glorify him, whether that means leaving or staying. And finally, before you skedaddle from the latest church, you've become a somewhat regular attender of, Talk it through. Ask somebody, am I making a wise decision? That's proverbial also. Ask for wisdom. How do you see things here? You seem to love the church here. Can you tell me what what am I missing in this? Be skeptical of yourself. Make sure that individual that you ask wisdom from, from whom you ask wisdom, will challenge you if you need to be challenged. Don't leave if trustworthy men and women are telling you to stay. Perhaps that helpful list from Tim Challies will help you to identify if maybe, just maybe, you, like all of us, at least somewhat regularly, it's, it's like going to the joint. Go to the joint on a weekly basis. You're probably not going to have back problems. We sometimes need an adjustment. Perhaps you need that. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. The University of Alabama has been in the news recently. Sororities at the school have all band together, it seems, to oppose a biological male from joining any of their groups. Now, I'm sure somebody somewhere is going to have a lot of very negative things to say about these ladies at the University of Alabama, but I do applaud them for standing firm and standing on reality. A quick search shows that there are 39 registered fraternities at Alabama. So this biological male that they've turned away, he's likely going to have more luck with one of those fraternities, you know, because he's a man and all. And I'm not laughing at this next story. I'm I'm really not. Disney and Sony are said to be soon re-releasing several older movies to theaters all over the country. Why? Well, because... The box office numbers are way down, like way, way down for Disney. In 2019, Disney grossed $11.3 billion domestically. This year, that number is $5 billion. You know that going woke and broke saying seems to still be ringing true for Disney. Well, public universities across the country are reportedly pushing diversity, equity, and inclusion while de-emphasizing free speech during freshman orientations this year more than ever before. 91% according to a new report that reviewed 51 public universities. 91%. That's a pretty big percentage. Parents, if your kids haven't left for university yet, get them road trip to Truth Seasons 1 and 2 before they leave. And if they have already left, send it to them in your first care package. 
So the trans pretend gender movement has had a tough couple of weeks in the UK. Schools have been ordered to provide sex segregated bathrooms. Teachers cannot assist children in any type of transitioning without parents' knowledge. And teachers are not obligated to use students' preferred pronouns. So obviously, naturally, in light of that, the Episcopalian Church has decided the time was right to endorse gender-affirming care at any age. Basically, they're saying that any age child should be able to have a sex change, even a newborn. You know, I bet millions of babies have been misdiagnosed with chronic gas over the years when all they were trying to do was tell their parents that God made a mistake that they weren't supposed to be a boy because they felt like a girl at three days old. You can't make this stuff up. We've all been talking about what the Dobbs decision means for women, but it also matters for non-binary and trans birthing people. And that's what the rest of us who live in reality would call a woman. You can take all of the pills and hormones you want to take. You can dress up in whatever style of clothes you want to dress up in, and you can shave your head and take voice therapy to make your voice deeper. But the bottom line is, if you can get pregnant and give birth, you're a woman. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. God called the prophet Jonah to preach repentance in Nineveh. Jonah fled, but he could not outrun God. He was cast into the sea and swallowed by a great fish. Jonah repented, and God spared him. Jonah then preached in Nineveh, and they repented. God is compassionate and merciful, and he is calling men from all nations to repentance. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. A new trend courtesy of Herschel Walker? This is a wretched radio. If you don't live in the lovely peach state of Georgia, which is always on my mind, you're not aware that Herschel Walker, the former football player, is running against the pro-choice reverend, oxymoron reverend, Raphael Warnock, who is running now for a six-year term. He's very liberal. He votes liberal agreeing with the Biden administration 96% of the time. How do I know? Because I've seen the commercials, (laughs) which are everywhere, aren't they? And there have been a slew of commercials against Herschel Walker. They, oof, they're powerful. I I hate to admit it, but they have been really powerful. Jimmy, have you seen any of the ads against Herschel? I have not. Uh, Where somebody, you know, on his cell phone meeting in front of people saying things like, I employed 800 people. My business employed 800 people. I had 800 employees. They went to his tax records for the industry, the business that he owned. He had eight employees. Mm. Duh. Saying that he was trained by the FBI and the FBI saying, we've got no record of training Herschel. It's just, they're making him look really bad. And the most recent commercial against him was presented by the Republican Accountability PAC. They're not Republicans. They're holding Republicans accountable. So they run smear ads like the one against Herschel Walker featuring his ex-wife who said, quote, Herschel held the gun to my temple and said he was going to blow my brains out. That doesn't look good, does it? Now, of course, history takes time. That happened years ago. And according to both of them, both Herschel and his ex-wife, they are friends now. They get along just fine. But I was struck by Herschel Walker's explanation for something that he couldn't deny. Herschel Walker, 
said that it was because he did this because of mental illness. Walker wrote a book in 2008 which highlighted his diagnosis and struggles with disassociative personality disorder. And he's long said that he's accountable for his past violence toward his ex-wife. So it's not been something that he's hid, but it appears possibly that he's trying to say no big whoop because I had mental illness. And I think this might be a trend. He's also detailed that he used to have violent thoughts about harming himself and others. And also said he had up to a dozen alternative identities. I'm glad that he is doing better. We all are, obviously. But Herschel Walker seems to be using mental illness like, you you just can't hold me accountable for that. You, You can't even consider that I was a man who would do something like that. And he's not the only one. Did you see the footage of the woman in Los Angeles, drunk? And I'm not talking about Anne Heche. This was a woman who apparently had just broken up with her husband or with her boyfriend. And even though she's been arrested for drinking and driving, I think nine times, she killed eight people when she drove through an intersection red light at 100 miles per hour. I remember seeing the video. It's like, okay, here it comes. And it was like a bullet got shot through the intersection. And and it actually looked like a movie accident where there was an explosion instantly because of the high speed. And what are her attorneys saying? Your Honor, she struggled with mental illness and depression. Okay, hold on. Is this a trend Now, please note, as a Christian, we understand past sins, certainly forgiven, and there there should be some wisdom applied to those types of situations. Of course, I'm not talking theologically. I'm just talking about people that use psychological defenses for bad behavior. You can't blame me. I'm depressed. You've perhaps also heard that somebody is not guilty by reason of insanity. And might there be some times where somebody is that mentally impaired? Okay, it's possible. But the question is, do they know the difference between right and wrong? Reading a book by Ed Welch called Bipolar Disorder. It has to do with, what does this have to, bipolar disorder. This paragraph jumped out to me. Keep in mind that there are differences between behavior that come from an excited brain and those that reveal our relationship to God and his commands. They can be difficult to distinguish, but when you discover bipolar tendencies, it's a time to become a more careful student of your own life. So with bipolar, Ed Welch is saying there are spiritual aspects to this, that if you are informed that this behavior is bad, you cannot use the mental illness as an excuse for wickedness. But that seems to be exactly what's happening these days. That's two anecdotes. Let's keep watching to see if there are more, because I fear more bad behavior is going to be defended and, frankly, dismissed because of mental illness. Oh, boy. That's a scary world. And speaking of psychology, New York Times, what psychologists want today's young adults to know? 
get ready for this. This is this is the brightest and the best. This is in the New York Times. There's a new book called Quarter Life, The Search for Self in Early Adulthood. So the first quarter of your life up until the age of, let's say, 25 or 20, whatever she has it at. Hey, this is this is a tough time. So here's some advice to help you. Are you ready for this brilliant advice that the world offers our kids who are struggling? Number one, take yourself seriously. Oh, okay. My problem is I always take myself seriously. Set aside time to be selfish, said the author of Soothe Your Nerves. Recommend scheduling reminders to check in with yourself roughly every three months to examine where you are in your life and whether you feel stuck or dissatisfied. Start to give your own inner life the respect that it's due. Do, do, you, do you hear the romantic worldview coming through then? You've got to find your inner voice and you need to respect that because while you feel on the inside is paramount and it's superior to everything and it's the only right worldview there is. Great advice. Here's number two that the psychologists offer. Be patient. Some people are still locked into the view that you turn into adult when you're 18 and that you should be all ready to go, said a researcher at Clark University who studies psychology. I don't know if that ever made sense, but it certainly doesn't now. In other words, don't if you're 18 and you're not adulting, don't worry about it. You've got to your 35. Yeah, it's in your 30s now. We'll make it 40, 50. What? We never become adults. In fact, that is kind of a push, isn't it? That you've got to be somebody who's older. And instead of being dignified, you've got to act in a juvenile fashion. Because, hey, you never let go of your childhood, man. Actually, we used to let go of our childhood a lot earlier than we do today. It was a lot earlier than 18. So be patient with yourself if you're not quite an adult yet. Number three. By the way, here's a question, and we'll, we'll, we'll answer this in a bit. But what does it mean to be an adult specifically? What does it mean to be a male adult? And what does it mean to be a female adult? We'll answer those questions. Until then, here's some advice for the youth who are struggling. Ask yourself, what's missing? Take stock of your day-to-day -day life and notice where things are missing. You, you you just really need to figure it out and then just get on it and then you'll be happy. What great advice. Number four, it just keeps getting more brilliant. Channel Yoda. That's right. The Jedi Master is one of the few images we have of what feeling quiet amid extreme pain and apocalypses can look like, said the psychologist. Even when there seems to be little stability externally, Quarter lifers can try to create their own steadiness. Be like Yoda. Make sure that you've got self-care practices, taking stock of what you're grateful for, breathing exercises, healthy nutrition, exercise routines. This is the best they have. If you haven't seen our biblical counseling series, Transformed, yet, I encourage you to do so. Go to transform.org, and you will see how the Bible helps people with these issues. It's a whole lot better than be Yoda. And then finally, number five, don't be afraid to make a big change. Just go for it. That's the best the psychologists have to offer. Oh, I guess they could give them a rubber band to put around their wrist and snap it so that they maybe don't feel so funky. That works.
This is secular psychology at its standard. Not at its best, not at its worst. This is just standard psychological glop where an individual who has concocted a worldview based from different secular psychologists that he or she likes, like an old country buffet, slops it all together and then downloads it to hurting people. If you need biblical counseling, incidentally, biblicalcounseling.com. If you want to become a biblical counselor, biblicalcounseling.com. Let's answer the question, what does it mean to be a male and female adult? Next on Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched affordable biblical health sharing Christians paying for other Christians medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Okay, so I've got a question for you. When was the last time you stuck something in the mail that actually made it to its destination on time? Has it been a while? We feel your pain because at the Wretched Store, we've also been having trouble promising delivery dates for your purchases, and we don't like that at all. Which is why our annual digital sale couldn't have come at a better time. This Friday through Sunday, you'll find the digital download and stream of select resources in the Wretched Store marked 50% off. And that's a win-win-win. How so? Simple. Number one, half-off regular price. That's a win for you. Number two, immediate delivery and no waiting on the postal service. Another win for you. And number three, you're happy because you've saved money and didn't have to wait. That's a win for us. See, a win-win-win for everyone all the way around. So don't miss this opportunity that only comes around once a year. Our annual digital sale, Friday through Sunday only at the Wretched Store at Wretched.org. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Masters Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is exhortation. 
the spiritual ability to encourage, comfort, and admonish God's people. Whether God's people are oppressed, confused, or in error, God has provided the gift of exhortation to comfort, urge, and correct them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Courtesy of Matt Walsh, what is an adult woman? And what is an adult man? This is Wretched Radio. Our world seems to be struggling identifying genders and when a child should become an adult. We would like to protract adolescence into an individual's fourth decade. You know, somebody, some people became adults a lot earlier, centuries ago. By necessity, they had to grow up. They had serious and earnest responsibilities or the family would die. And so they grew up very quickly. You could even argue too fast. I'm okay with that. But 35 We're giving them to 30. Could we maybe split the difference and land on something that's reasonable when an individual should start acting not just like an adult, but like an adult with their particular gender? Because that is also up for grabs these days. We would like to have men be more feminine. We want women to be less feminine and more masculine. And the messages of the world, they're getting in there. So here's the question. What does it mean to be an adult Christian male? What does it mean to be an adult Christian female? Go. I'll wait. What does it mean to be a Christian male or female? What do you mean? Is it the stuff that we do? Well, that's the performative aspect, and that happens to be the definition that we most often cling to. We will say that what makes a man a man and a woman a woman are the biological components, whether it's chromosomes, whether it's biology, whether it is reproductive organs. And by the way, that's valid, which means gender is objectively true, but... There are, there are other ways to, t- some would say emotional. Let's take a look at the emotional. Women tend to be more emotive. And I think, that's, I think that's reasonable to say, and that's not a bad thing. I don't think women have more emotions. They just feel more free to express those emotions than men are. And I honestly think that's by design, that men are to go out there and the rough and tumble doesn't hurt quite as much because we tend to stifle the emotions, not saying that's always a good thing, but that's the way that God made us for our role. And women, as the nurturers, as the tender ones, the soft ones, Isha, which is what woman means. Isha is soft one. God has made us a different way. But we must be careful that we define what makes a man a man and a woman a woman biblically. And it is not performative. You may recall Courtesy of second wave feminism, starting in the early 60s, let's just call it 65 with Betty Friedan's The Feminine Mystique. There there was a push to stop toxic masculinity. What was toxic masculinity? Anything that we would say is traditionally male. So men who are, they're louder. Let's always use our inside voice. Men can be more brash. No, no, no. You need to be softer and tenderer. Now, we're, we're speaking in generalities here. I get it. Sometimes those things are needed. But the push of second wave feminism is, sir, start acting like a madam. And it has been 
very effective. The watering down of genders, the 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 demasculizing, the stopping of guys being male, demasculatizingness. That's it. I think that's. I it. think that's pretty. I'm a talk show host. Trust me. That's <laughs> that's the right word. That effort has been very very successful now for decades, and they would tell you that anything that is toxic is terrible. So they wanted to feminize men, soften men, so that we aren't brute beasts. Now, there's a part of that that is accurate, but not their totalitarian approach. You can't have anything masculine. So what did the evangelical church respond with? Well, we were told to be wild at heart. You need to go hunting. You need to be tougher. We need to do kickboxing. Okay, those are all performative things. Does jujitsu make a man a man? And the answer is no, clearly not, because women do jujitsu. So it's not the activity that makes us male or female. And it's certainly not what makes us a Christian male or female. How do we define that and how do we grasp that so we can actually live that out? And this is a conversation that might be helpful with your teenager who should be trying to figure these things out at this point, unless you believe they should live in your basement till you're 35. What makes a Christian man a Christian male and vice versa with women is not performative. It doesn't mean, by the way, that there aren't some activities that really are genuinely masculine versus genuinely female, but that's not what makes you that thing. Playing rugby doesn't make you a man. Now, men play rugby, but that doesn't turn you into an adult male. It's internal. It's not external. It's not performative. It's character. How does a Christian child become a Christian adult living out their gender? It's not just by making Susie play with dollies and Billy play with guns and trucks. That's kind of normative, but never, that, that's not what makes a boy a boy and a girl a girl. What makes us men and women that are godly and that are mature adults is that we are all internally becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. That's, that's what it means to be a Christian adult, male or female. Then, based on your internal descriptor of Christ-likeness, then you just live out your role. You live out your assignment. You do your job. Well, what is your job? You've got to find that answer in Genesis, where we are told that men are the laborers, women are the childbearing nurturers. So just play it out. What does it look like in your context, in this particular century? What does it look like to be an adult Christian male or female? It is by striving to have more fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc., and then just playing your role. And if that means you need to get calluses, so be it. If that means that it requires that you get stronger to do your job, then do that thing. If it means, on the other hand, that you do things that are not as loud and boisterous and don't participate in as physical of an activity, then, then do that. But it's not that that makes you. What makes you a Christian adult, male or female, 
is an internal godliness that just manifests itself, plays itself out naturally in the roles that God has ascribed to us. That is how we go about raising godly adult males and females. Be careful that you don't fall into the ditch of, well, we, we've got to have them doing masculine things. Uh, rough, hey, get dirty. Okay, kid, boy, go skin your knees. Okay, boys do those things. I don't think we should restrict those things by any means, but that's not what makes a boy a boy. Not, not, not biblically. What makes a boy a boy is that he becomes godly, that he loves Jesus, and he acts like him in his role. Madam, same thing is true for you. And this, I think, just serves to prove the point. You are to look like Jesus, too, who was male. But you're not supposed to live it out like him as a male. You live it out as a female. Why? Because who you are is not determined by what you do. It is who you are internally. I think it's time to start helping our kids get that and to race toward that. It's interesting. Read an article. This is a Christian post. It's time to end the insanity of typical youth ministry. We've been playing games, singing songs, teaching a quick lesson, eating snacks. We do the same thing over and over again, but it's not working. Maybe it's time that we start pushing our kids more into adulthood, talking to them seriously, earnestly, not foolishly. According to one massive research project from greatopportunity.org, we are losing one million Christian teenagers per year, and that's going to continue for the next 35 years. Yikes, youth groups, it hasn't worked. Start pushing them toward adulthood. Start teaching them what it means to be male, what it means to be female. Yes, there are distinctives. Men do need, even if they tend to be softer, they need to be working toward being a little bit harder. That's the word ish, by the way. So you, you need help. You need guidance along the way. Sometimes you're acting a little too brutish. Sometimes you're acting a little too sissified. Well, you got people to help you with that. But don't think that activities make you a particular gender. And it's not just chromosomes, and it's not just biology. Two-thirds of younger adults with a commitment to Christ don't attend church. <laughs> that ain't good. So <laughs> here it is. 61% of non-practicing Gen Z Christians say they have made a personal commitment to Jesus, but they don't go to church. They don't live out their faith. In other words, they're, they're a false convert. And they're stuck. And our youth groups are not helping together. Not just the job of the youth group, but the youth group should support the parent's effort to grow up a child to be like Jesus Christ, to be mature, to be dignified, to be an adult. Whether it is pink or blue, it is about internally becoming like Christ and then living it out in the role that God has assigned to you. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.